They say you have three names. The one you inherit from your family. The one your parents gave you. And the one you make for yourself. So create the brand of you. Find the job you've always dreamed of and make it yours by going to Irish Jobs, Ireland's online recruitment platform. Take control of your career. Visit irishjobs.ie and move up to the next level you. Irish Jobs. Make a name for yourself. Sunday is a big day on CBS. Still waiting in the wings to bring you a variety of entertainment are Rocky Jordan, Horace Height, Our Miss Brooke, Dick Hames and Evelyn Knight, The Whistler and Red Skelton. Now Del Monte Foods brings you a world of adventure with Rocky Jordan. Go around the front way, will you? The tambourine's open. The front door, I said. Rocky, let me in. All right, just cut out the pounding. Scrappy Sims. Rocky, help me. What's the matter with you? I can't. I... Here, open this couch. Easy does it. Oh, thanks, Rocky. Yeah, bullet wound. That what it is? Yeah. I'll get help. Just give me that package. Oh, no, 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 Rocky. Oh, easy, fella. You're all right here. No, the, the beetle. The what? Tell me, Scrappy, what are you trying to say? Nobody gets the white beetle. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Yes, Del Monte, the best-liked brand of canned fruits and vegetables in the whole wide world, takes you now to the Cafe Tambourine in Cairo, gateway to the ancient east where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The White Beetle. The heat had settled down over Cairo that afternoon. A good time for me to catch a nap in my tambourine office. That's when the big pounding had come at the alley door, like a wild horse put in the wrong stall. I'd no sooner got the door open than he came staggering in. Scrappy Sims. Somebody I hadn't seen in quite a while. And the bullet hole in his side wasn't doing him any good. I put him on the couch, but he clung to a package in his hand and kept mumbling something that didn't make sense. Beetle. No, no, Rocky. What about it, Scrappy? Clear it up, will you? The white beetle. Now listen to me. Who shot you and why? You gotta tell me what happened. Rocky... Scrappy, listen to me. Scrappy. Uh, get me the emergency hospital. Rush it. Uh, emergency. Rocky Jordan, Cafe Tambourine. There's a man here that shot up bad. Get an ambulance over here the quickest way you can. I'll explain when you get here. Now step on it. My next call was meant for Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo Police. But I didn't finish dialing. Make that call later, Mr. Jordan. I turned and saw her standing right behind me. She was small and olive-skinned with dark, deep-set eyes and lips held as tight as her white dress that fit every bit right. There was no fear there at all, maybe because of the gun she held in her hand. Later, I said. Put down the phone as I told you. Doesn't anybody use the front door? I'm not here for pleasure, Mr. Jordan. Unless you like playing with guns. This is hardly a game. I'm doing only what is necessary. Like finishing up your job on Scrappy Sims? You're much too hasty with your conclusions. Just don't touch him, lady. I'm telling you, leave him alone. I'm interested only in what he holds in his hand. Get it for me. Well, Scrappy wouldn't like that. Get it for me and don't open it. Huh? It's all yours. Lay it on the table and then keep back. 
Hey, uh, by the way, what good is a white beetle? No good to you, Mr. Jordan, I assure you. Now be careful that you stay just where you are. This man's misfortune is quite enough for one day. I'm convinced. Sounds like you better get moving. But don't follow me. I'll shoot you if I have to. She was out of sight before the ambulance pulled up. I got my call through to Sabaya, and then I stuck around to answer some questions and stay with Scrappy Sims until they took him away. After that, I went to headquarters and briefed Sam on everything that had happened. He took it all down. As always, Jordan, you give me little to go on. Well, maybe Scrappy will be able to tell you the rest, Sam. You have not told me of your acquaintance with him. Just a customer I'd gotten to know real well. A construction worker of some sort. He hadn't been around to... Just a moment. Yes? Full of the day's popular music by Alan Dale, Bob Howard, Judy Lynn, and the Riddlers. You'll hear the tuneful riddle songs that lead to Sing It Again's Phantom Voice Treasure Trove. $5,000 in cash and $10,000 more in wonderful prizes. Be listening to Sing It Again this Saturday night when it comes your way on most of these same CBS stations. The Phantom's a puzzler, but some CBS listener will win that five grand in cash. When it's November and the winter is a-coming in, Broadway is a place of regret. The dreams are dying, and it's a long time before April will come again. The orange juice stands put glass doors between themselves and the pavement, serve hot coffee as a buffer against the wind and loneliness. Somebody leaves a newspaper on the stool beside you, not very neat, folded badly. There's a small bit of blackberry pie on the item that tells about a girl who floated face downward in the lake. You flip back a page and consider the minor headline concerning a woman named Gladys Hampton, also murdered. Then flip another one and see how they ran at Hialeah. You take your time. Outside, it's pavements. And outside, it's cold. I didn't have it so good. I got my coffee out of a paper cup, and Sergeant Tataglia had put too much cream in it. Or as he put it... Too much cream, huh? And not enough sugar. Ah, you always get them mixed up, Danny. Why is this? We all have our bad days, Gino. Well, only I seem to have them more frequent than most. Have you noticed? Uh, let's get on with it. You got anything for me? Uh, yeah, Danny, yeah. In the matter of Jimmy Barrett, the young man from Muncie, it has been established by the coroner that he could not have killed Gladys Hampton since at the moment of her demise, Jimmy was with you. What about an alibi for last night when Joan Fuller was killed? He claims that he was doing the town up with his wife and cannot tell us what time he was where. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, what? He cannot tell us what time he was where, Danny. How does he like our pokey, Gino? Uh, not very much. He's screaming for his wife. Also, he wrote the little verse on the wild to tell us how much he didn't like it. It starts now off... Tell me later, Gino. I'm going out. Uh, where, Danny? To see a man's wife. Where's my husband? What have you done with him? He's downtown, Miss Barrett. We're holding him on suspicion of murder. Well, don't stand there in the hall making a show of me before the world. Come in here. Come in. Sure, Miss Barrett. I was just washing out some of my things in the basin. You live in a dirty city, Mr. Clover. The dirt eats into everything. What right have you to do a thing like that to Jimmy? What right? Because we think he murdered a girl named Joan Fuller. The girl I read about? The girl from Muncie? Jimmy never knew her. He never knew anything like her. 
not like her. You know that much about your husband, Mrs. Barrett? I'm a middle-aged woman, Mr. Clover. I know things about my husband that no girl ever knew. Why did you and Jimmy come to New York, Miss Barrett? You won't say any of the things people say when I tell them. Jimmy and I are on our honeymoon. Mrs. Barrett. He loves me. You saw how much he loves me. The sweet names he calls me. I saw, Mrs. Barrett. Took me a long time to bring Jimmy around to me, Mr. Clover. To the things I wanted. I'm not going to lose him to you. You'll help us. Maybe we can give him back. This is a trick. You're trying to trick me. You want me to say something about him that'll make him dead. Something that can save him. What can I tell you that will do that? Did he ever leave you alone on your honeymoon? Go off somewhere alone? Never. Why, Jimmy waits on me hand and foot. That's what first attracted me to him back home. How polite he was. How considerate. When he could have had any girl. Here, Mrs. Barrett. Has he left you alone here? I told you no. He was alone when I found him. That was different. I I went window shopping. I like to do that alone. I like to come back and tell him the things I saw. All the useless, expensive, frilly things that are no use to anyone. Just good to look at sometimes. You've done that other times? Back home in Muncie, not here. One more question, Miss Barrett. Did you know Joan Fuller? No, I didn't know her. My husband didn't know her. I haven't told you anything that'll save him, have I? No. But I will. You'll see. I hired a lawyer. He's getting a writ. You'll bring Jimmy back to me. You'll see. Wait till I tell Jimmy how you treated me. Just you wait. I'll wait. Don't take Jimmy back home with you, Mrs. Barrett. We'll want you both here. Come on in, Gino. Okay. Just a word to let you know that people questioning around the home of Gladys Hampton had never seen Jimmy Barrett. Also, that Jimmy is released on a writ. Yeah, I was threatened with it. And to tell you that outside is a gentleman from Muncie, Indiana. Another one? Yeah, Danny. You know, this is the first week in my life I have met two people from Muncie, Indiana. One on top of the other. Show them in, Gino. They're this way in to see Danny Clover, Mr. Fuller. Sit down, Mr. Fuller. Thank you. I'm Joan's father, Mr. Clover. I see. I'm very sorry about what... Thank you, but of course you're not sorry. If we mean the same thing by that word. You're a policeman on homicide and your job's got to do with dead people. People get used to death almost as easy as they do to cigarettes. The sorrow of Joan's death belongs to me, not to you. Forgive me, I made a speech... How did you know your daughter was dead? You notified the Muncie police, they notified me. I've come to take her home with me. If I can help... Find the person who killed her. We're trying, Mr. Fuller. I've never been vengeful. I've always felt sorry for people eaten by hate. Now it's happened to me. I can understand. Tell me, Mr. Fuller, do you know... And now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The White Beetle. Well, Dr. Eric Kleberg and his dutiful son kept it up till they'd made my office look like a bargain basement after a dollar sale. They didn't find the white beetle scarab because it wasn't there. Then they were gone. 
Right away, I started across town for Old Cairo to look in on Silvestri's ceramic shop. I got there before closing time. It was the usual dusty place, cluttered with every gym crack that ever lured an unsuspecting tourist. A little white-thatched Italian whose jaw muscles twitched too much came hurrying up. Could I help you, senor? Yes, if you're the proprietor here, Mr. Silvestri. That's my name. What could I show you, please? Let's start with the white beetle. The white beetle? If you mean scarab, senor, I got none in white. They're quite rare, but... Well, I... let's talk about Scrappy Sims. He brought it here to sell. Remember now? Sims? Sims? Oh, there's so many counts. Sure, sure. All the best black market trade, huh? Who set up the deal here between Scrappy and Kleberg? Was it you? Senor, who sent you here? Dr. Eric Kleberg? Well, then there must be some mistake. Now, if that is all, senor, I, I am about to lock up for the night. All right, all right. We'll make it later. I turned to go, figuring to file Silvestri under active. That's when my eyes caught a big mirror on the side wall that reflected through the door to the back room. And the face I saw there sent me running back. No, no, that way, senor! Senor! the face of the girl, the same one who'd come to my cafe that afternoon to take the package from Scrappy Sims. This time, she had no time to do anything. Mr. Jordan, Don't no. try for the gun this time, lady. Let me go. Stop with this, senor. What is Maria to you? Oh, so Maria's the name, huh? What's the last one, Silvestri? Yes, she's my daughter. Now, what's the meaning of this? It's nothing, Father. Yeah, we'll see what you're... So you see why he wasn't exactly... He pulled it out of his pocket. He was clutching it in his wet fist. Bank across the street, huh? Yeah. Hey, what's the matter? He got it from the bank. It can't be counterfeit, can it? Don't give me hot fader like that. Hit me in the face with it. It's not counterfeit, is it? Don't you find it rather interesting, Mr. Clover, that I, Stephen Chase, am working for the Corn Exchange Bank? We Chasers have a bank of our own, you know. I know. And you're the Chase who gave Barrett $2,500. Precisely that Chase. Does Barrett have an account here? As of this morning, a rather plump one. He opened an account this morning and withdrew that much money this afternoon? I see you don't understand banks. Oh, explain them to me. Uh, Mrs. Barrett had a letter of credit from a bank in Muncie, Indiana, which she chose to deposit here with us at Corn. Go on. Uh, please. Therefore, this account was in Mrs. Barrett's name. However, this morning, Mr. Barrett appeared. Mr. Barrett, the bearer of a letter from his wife to the effect that her account should now be a joint account. Was oh, that all? Please. I called Mrs. Barrett to find out whether the letter was valid. Mrs. Barrett told me to give her husband as much money as he wanted. All this happened this morning? Precisely this morning. Precisely, Mr. Chase. Oh, hiya, Danny. Just going out. Want to go out with us? No, I'm coming in. Well, Miss Barrett, see so you got all your things packed. Going back to Muncie? Oh, no, no. You said we couldn't go back to Muncie until this thing was all cleared up. We're going to find a nicer place to live. Yeah, me and the honey doll are going to branch out. Nothing but a ball from now on. We're really going to live, aren't we, honey doll? You're whatever you want, Jimmy. Tell me what you want, Jimmy. What I want? Get out of this crummy hole? New clothes for honey doll? And for me? Drapes. Double-breasted. I understand you got a new car. It's got New York talking, huh? We're talking about it down at headquarters. Uh, Jimmy, uh, the man said he'd show us the penthouse at 9 o'clock. It's almost that now. You heard what Honey Doll said, Danny. 
I guess I'm henpecked, that's all. Tell me when all this happened, Jimmy. The last time I saw you, you were happy, right here. How much are you allowed to meddle in our lives? What concern is it of yours where we live? Oh, honey, doll. Don't talk like that to Danny. He wants to come up for a drink sometime. He wants to know our address. Get him out of here. You didn't answer my question, Jimmy. When did you make up your mind about all this? New car, penthouse. I'll tell you. Honey Doll and me had a small talk. We decided we were tired of living like folks, like other people. Honey Doll wants to support me in the manner I'm itching for. And she can afford it. Come here, Honey Doll. Jimmy. Jimmy, get him out of here. Baby, this is Jimmy. Jimmy with his arms around you. Stop it! Okay, okay. But you're supposed to give me anything I want, remember? You're a little blackmail, Jimmy. Huh? I had a talk with Joan's father. He said you used to hold hands with his daughter. If you did that, you lied to me. You did know, Joan. You did lie to me. Danny, so I lied to you. I was nervous. It's getting late, Jimmy. Did you lie to him, Miss Barrett? Did you know Joan back in Muncie? No. But you knew Jimmy knew her. You knew Jimmy was seeing her while you were here, while you were on your honeymoon, Miss Barrett. Oh, why not, Danny? Guy likes to look up old friends, especially an old friend who's made good in the big city. I got news for you. Joan was a housemaid. Those clothes she was wearing belonged to her employer. I knew that, and I understand why she did it. To impress me. To make me hate myself because I married another woman. Jimmy, you realize what your lying can cost you. Sure, Danny. Now I'm your number one murder suspect. That's right. Danny. Uh-huh. What's the penalty for murder in this state? Premeditated. Premeditated? Life, chair. Depends on the jury. And how about for obstructing justice? Depends. One to ten, maybe. But for murder, it can be the chair, huh? That's right. Did you hear that, honey doll? You're going to get the chair. Jimmy. You killed so you could keep your husband in you, Mrs. Barrett. Jimmy. I'm begging you. Get him out of here. You were afraid Jimmy would get blamed for it because Miss Hampton, her employer, could recognize him. You had to kill Miss Hampton, too, didn't you? Jimmy! That's what you held over your wife, Jimmy. You knew all this. She had to give you everything you wanted. Thought you'd get as soon as you were married, but didn't. One to ten, huh? That's the way it was, Danny. Take it so hard, honey doll. You've lived almost most of your life. They had a week of it with me. Let's go, both of you. Honey doll, I promise you this. When I get out, I'll spend your money. I'll be happy. Just the way you wanted me to. Broadway looks good now. It's wearing the funny mask with the funny nose. The big smile painted in scarlet. The scarlet you've known in other places and other times. Don't rip off the mask, kid, because you couldn't stand what you'd see. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent. 
the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway, my beat. Maria and I went out together. She didn't seem to care one way or the other. We caught a taxi that took us to her home in the Italian sector. There wasn't much conversation until I'd paid the cabbie and we were going up the walk to the house. Maria, it happens I don't think your father committed suicide. It's difficult to know what you think, Mr. Chorton. I don't think he killed Scrappy Sims. No, he did not. Sam Sabaya doesn't think so either. Didn't you hear what he said himself? Oh, sure. The quick answer. When Sam acts like that, you can be sure he's thinking a lot more. Now, he's a real careful guy. You know him better than I do. Just a minute. Here's the scarab, Mr. Jordan. Take it. Yeah. Your father did a real good job with this. He was an artist at his trade. Now, please... Wait, Maria. I got an idea. I'm going to take this and do some checking. But the captain's waiting. Well, he'll always settle for answers. There may be a lot more to this than we figure, Maria. Isn't there enough trouble with Sabaya already? You said you'd like to know who killed your father. That still go? You know it does. But who could it be? Somebody who wanted the scarab real bad, maybe. Kleberg? He's a good bet. You wait here, Maria. By then, Maria was all for it, like I knew she'd be. She promised to wait. I was out on my own. In another half hour, I was pounding at the door of my friend, Professor Menouf, whose home was just off the campus of the Cairo University. A servant finally let me in, and I waited in Menouf's library until he came down, still pulling a robe around him. <laughs> the impatience of you Americans, Mr. Jordan. <laughs> what can it be this time? There's something that might interest you, Professor. Look this thing over, will you? Why, a scarab. White and excellently preserved. Unless it's a phony. That's what I want to know. I see. A, a few tests will tell. If you will kindly remain here a moment... Professor Manouf took the scarab with him to another room, and I kept busy till I found a science who's who on his library shelf. I thumbed through the K's, and finally there the name was, Kleberg, Dr. Eric. University of Munich, University of Ankara. Authority on archaeology and antiquities. And I had all I wanted. Mr. Jordan, Mr. Jordan, do you realize what you have here? Don't bother to tell me, I know now. This is a real scarab. It is absolutely genuine. Sure. Kleberg knew way too much about antiquities to offer to buy a phony. He knew he was going to get the real article. A remarkable specimen. 18th dynasty, I would say. There is only one like it in the Cairo Museum. Yeah, you better look there again, Professor. One of the museums, a phony. What? Oh, you, you cannot be serious. Yeah. Scrappy Sims had it all figured. To get Silvestri to make a phony. But what he didn't tell Silvestri was that he had a further plan. That somebody else was in on the deal. I fear that I do not understand what you are saying. Somebody who switched the real one with the phony in the museum. So Scrappy could sell this one, the real one, to Kleberg. It, should I know what you are talking about, Mr. Jordan? Well, just find out about that one in the museum. You can read the rest in the morning papers. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. Have you ever been out in the field when the tomatoes are ripening? Ever seen a big red tomato so ripe it fairly begs to be picked? Then you know just how taste-tempting a tomato really can be. How wonderfully rich and full-bodied and satisfying the juice is. But if you've never had that experience, 
then the closest thing to it is Del Monte tomato juice. Yes, the real test of a tomato juice is how fresh and natural it tastes. That's why I keep several cans of Del Monte tomato juice on hand at all times. It is so fresh-tasting and natural-tasting. Dad, the children, the whole family enjoy it so much for its refreshing, clean taste. Yes, that's Del Monte tomato juice, all right. Fresh-tasting, natural-tasting, and refreshing. Pressed from the finest vine-ripened tomatoes. Packed fast under the closest quality control. It all means extra enjoyment for you. At breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or any time during the day, you'll find Del Monte tomato juice really hits the spot. Back now to Rocky Jordan for the conclusion of tonight's story. I left Professor Minoff's library knowing two more things. That the scarab that had already brought death to two people was genuine, and that Dr. Kleberg knew it was real when he moved to buy it. Now I was on my way for the clincher, and I didn't have to go far. I was being real careful of the dark steps to the street. Jordan. You like the dark? Lay the scarab down carefully, then go quickly. I don't see you, and I don't see a gun. Nevertheless, we're both here. I'm giving you your chance, Jordan. Even when I know who you are? John Bannister? Oh, that does make a difference. I had to guess the gun, too. Forty-five. You still haven't done what I told you. Ready to tell me where you work now? How about the Cairo Museum? In a trusted position, maybe. Where you'll have plenty of chance to switch stuff around. Mr. Jordan, I'd hate for the professor to have to find your body lying on his doorstep. But you didn't hesitate to kill your close friend, Scrappy Sims. Why? Because he found out he was playing with something too hot? Could he have gotten scared and started for the police? What should concern you is that he's dead. Sure. First Sims and then Silvestri. So the truth about the phony white beetle scarab had never been known. I could hardly stop now. Yeah, then you're going to be real busy. Maria knows. So does Professor Minuf. And you, Jordan. So I'll begin at once. The shot had come from the shadow of the wall. The next one was equally wild. As the figure of a small girl, that of Maria Silvestri, darted away down the street, Bannister swung around, yeah. taking careful aim. I took it from there. I came down on his hand, and a heavy gun clattered to the steps. He made a dive for it, but I kicked it away. I waited for his next move, but he just stood there as the Cairo police came in from all directions. No sugar in your coffee, Jordan? Oh, no thanks, Sam. I like to drink my coffee, not chew it. <laughs> my people have been drinking coffee in this manner for countless years. You could get used to it. Mm, maybe. But some things I'll never get used to. Such is the problem of all mankind, Jordan. Learning to accept that which Allah decrees. I'm thinking about Maria. Oh? What about her? A try for revenge. Attempted murder. Hmm. What you say puzzles me. According to the notes in my dossier on the case, Maria fired the shots at Bannister only to save your life. Is that not how it was? <laughs> I say. Let's just leave it that way, huh? What does your dossier say about uh, Bannister? 
You were quite right about him. He was an employee of the Cairo Museum. Mm. He has confessed to switching the relics. The true one will be returned to its place. All this over a little white beetle. Was it worth it, Sam? Well, who can say? To Bannister, perhaps. Doesn't make sense to me. Why should it? Remember, if all people's sense of values were equal, there would be little adventure in this world. You would not like that. Would you, Jordan? For the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup and chili sauce. Del Monte tomato sauce and tomato juice. And Del Monte whole peeled tomatoes. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor. Thor as Detective Danny Clover. The Little Red Schoolhouse of bygone days was something to be proud of. But in many parts of the country today, it's become the shabby schoolhouse. Too little to house its current crop of students. Its equipment outdated and inadequate. Its teachers too few and too underpaid. If your schools are like that, act now with others in your community before the costs of repair and replacements get astronomical. Act now in the interest of tomorrow's leaders and tomorrow's America. When October spreads its golden light over Broadway, the mob scurries down the street toward the week's ending. It's the month of the stadium again, and the soft drink and the old locomotive yell, and the very small hot dog for 35 cents. It's the season when higher education comes into its own, when a student punts a bladder and everybody screams. The word is Bula Bula, the flower chrysanthemum, and everybody's either a fellow rooter or an arch rival. So get with it. It's just like going to college. And at headquarters, a word from that ex-collegian, Sergeant Gino Tertaglion. Talk about a beau jest, Danny. Huh? Beau jest, Danny, a noble gesture. Nobody was talking about it. All no... I can say is that Raymond Shapiro is the noblest Shapiro of them all. Him and his beau jest. So help me, Gino, if you don't... Okay, Danny, okay, I just... <clears throat> Items. Result from legwork by the good detectives Mugovan and Dennison. Thank you. Item one. Joy Richard and Lois Burton were out of town as to New York. Joy from Pittsburgh, Lois from Cleveland. They met at a business college. Go on. Decided to set up a little office of public stenographers, the two of them. So they located at the Moreland Hotel. What else? Danny, what is it about today that makes it so tough for young people to keep out of mischief? Just tell me what...